Thank you, guys. Isn't our worship team great? They're absolutely phenomenal. Oh, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> but thank you. Um, so I have something to say to start, because um, I know a lot of you will ask by the end of it. Sarah's not here, so she's watching online if you want to say hi. <laughs> Um, but I'm very excited to go ahead and get started. Uh, I'm very excited to share what I think God has been, or wants me to tell you guys this morning. So, <clears throat> our passage comes out of Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. Uh, and if you want to open up your Bibles, I'll give you, some, I'll give you a minute for it. You can open up on your phones. Uh, the rack under the chair in front of you um, should also have this Bible right here. Um, so just before this passage, though, Jesus had driven out a demon who was viciously controlling um, this young boy, and the disciples tried to drive out the demon themselves, but they couldn't. Uh, and so Jesus was privately teaching um, his disciples in this moment, and whenever he does, I like to think of this like a debrief time for the whole team. Uh, there's a whole bunch of like unbelievable things that happen for the disciples, like in front of their eyes. And so having Jesus to make sense of these things is kind of a pretty sweet uh, thing for them. So like I said, it'll be Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 9 through 30. So and then Mark 9, 30 starts in Galilee. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way, on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last, and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said, welcome, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So what I wanted to first point out was that Jesus is predicting his death for the second time. Now, it says the disciples were afraid when he told him this, and to try and find out why exactly they were afraid. We can look back um, just a page to Mark 8.31. Um, Jesus, or Jesus was talking about how everyone's going to reject him and kill him, and then Peter tries to rebuke him, but then Jesus turns around and rebukes Peter right back. And he calls him Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan. And then he also says, he also says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns. So picture this. Your role model, the teacher, someone who's been teaching you everything about life, the person that you left everything to be with, your family, your work, um, and you just discover that he is the son of God. In your opinion, he could be the greatest king over all the land. He would rule fairly. He'd get people through hard times. Um, and of course, he would never lose a war. He'd be all-powerful. But then on top of that, then you realize that he is also God. How much more powerful could anybody get? 
You see, when Peter and the disciples thought of Jesus being the Christ, the Messiah, they did not believe that he was supposed to die and be defeated. They only viewed Jesus as the perfect king who was going to rule over people and be, in their eyes, successful. And we can tell that this idea is clearly problematic Um, because if we look at the text again, Jesus calls Peter Satan. Anyway, this is why the disciples were afraid to or afraid the second that Jesus predicted his death for the second time. They had a limiting view on who Jesus is supposed to be. What they didn't realize is that Jesus is more. I'm going to be saying that a lot this morning, that Jesus is more, and that's the theme and title of this sermon, um, because, I mean, Jesus is more. Jesus is more than our own understanding. Like we sang about, that song was perfect this morning. It, it encapsulates the entire gospel, and it, it can teach everything. It teaches us from the great chasm we have between us and God and how Jesus bridges that gap and then talks about how he is more than our understanding and he is more than anything we can ever understand. Um, anyways, so Jesus is more. The disciples' view of Jesus was controlled, confining, and it was ignorant. They made Jesus out to be like any other god or any of the other gods that were in the world at that time. And I think that's why Jesus fittingly says, you do not have, to, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. For us today, I think that we can relate to Peter in many ways. We often think of Jesus as someone that he's not. That he has characteristics that are not even shown in Scripture. For example, when we call ourselves Christians and do not love others, we probably have the wrong idea of Jesus. We're probably saying something about Jesus with our actions. Mark 12, 30 through 31, Jesus is sharing the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord with God, Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. This is a clear way that Jesus commands us to live. This is a way that allows us to be more like Jesus. So when we claim to be a follower of Christ and loving Jesus but not loving someone else, here's what we're doing. We're ignoring the fact that Jesus loves that person. When we are loving people unconditionally, we are showing them Jesus and being like Jesus to that person. When we neglect to love people, we are not just denying them what we have to offer, but Christ's love as well. We've also heard from Pastor Paul countless times that they will know who we follow by the way that we love. And if we are not loving people well, what does that say about who we follow? What I really wanted to speak more directly on this morning is that there are still views of Jesus that we hold that are incomplete to Jesus' character. Some of us, we actually feel like Peter um, more directly. Uh, We feel like Jesus is all-powerful, and he is to rule over the world in the way that we want him to. We're trying to control Jesus, but we're trying to hide behind Jesus' controlling us. I mean, think about it. Have you ever heard someone say, how could you vote for that person if you follow Jesus? Or have you ever said that to somebody? I know you might not want to admit that, but... <laughs> But from both, side, from both political parties, I've heard, 
people tell me, how can you vote for that person if you're a follower of Jesus? And we think that Jesus is not just in control, but he is controlling everything. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is more. Jesus is more than that. But others of us might have a view that's kind of the opposite, that Jesus loves us so much, but doesn't require us to change. We see Jesus as all the good and positive feelings about God, but not the hard ones, like conviction. We don't want our feelings to be hurt when we do something that we shouldn't be doing. But I'm also here to tell you that Jesus is more. And actually, he loves us more. He is more loving by giving us these feelings of conviction. So, all of this can be kind of sad, and I'm not trying to get us down, because I'm here to tell you that there is good news. Jesus wasn't only what Peter thought he was. He is more. He isn't just a king that wants to sit up on a chair and command people what to do. Jesus is God relating with people. Jesus loves us, and he does die for us. Against all expectations, Jesus suffers and dies, but Jesus is even more than that. Jesus rises from the dead. He allows us to have new life in himself. He is life. He is joy. He is peace. He is freedom. He washes our sins, and he restores our relationship with God. Jesus is for us. Jesus loves us. He wants us with him in eternity. Through the scriptures, Christ is revealed. Through the gospels, we can see the character of Christ, and we can see how to be more like Jesus and the ways that Jesus has instructed us to live. In the Old Testament, we can see how Jesus is revealed to the prophets, even before he was physically on earth. And this is actually something I wanted to go over just a little bit more. Um, there are some passages in the Old Testament that make it seem as if there was no way that the people shouldn't have known who Jesus was. Like, people should have known that Jesus was going to die because it's pretty clear. Um, in Isaiah 53, I'm only going to read a couple of verses from it, but it's, like, pretty, pretty direct. Uh, starting in verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their face. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took, up, he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem like a very happy, good-feeling uh, kind of Jesus to me. That almost makes me feel bad because I put my sins on Jesus. It is clear through this text, though, that Jesus is supposed to rise up, or that Jesus isn't supposed to rise up in this world as a king, just so that people might bow down to him. Uh, quite the opposite happens. And Jesus says it himself in our main text, verse 35, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last, the servant of all. And I would say that the way that Jesus went on to die, he definitely put himself in last. And the way that he suffered for us fulfilled Isaiah 53 because he humbled himself to the point of death. 
And when I think of people back then, it's hard to see how they didn't see Christ's mission. And I know we're blessed on this side of the resurrection because we can look back and we can say, oh, that made sense, I understand. And they didn't necessarily have the luxury of that. But it still seems so direct. You still got to question sometimes. Uh, like Isaiah 53, the entire Bible talks about who Jesus is. We hear the I am statements and the ways that Jesus lived his life in the world through the Gospels and the way that Paul um, talks about Jesus' actions um, and, the, and John's vision from God about Jesus' return. We have so many places in Scripture where we can see who Jesus is because that's what Scripture is all about. A question that comes up for me, though, is how do we not know? How do we still not understand who Jesus is? In verse 37, Jesus says, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not only welcome me, but also the one who sent me. And little children are the best. Um, my mom and my dad probably can't say the same thing about me, but little children can be so wholesome. <coughs> They are curious about everything, and it is evident in the way that they are, are consistently asking questions after questions, just because they want to learn. We all can probably relate to a time when a kid would just not stop asking us questions, even to the point of annoyance. And this is the same with new believers, spiritual children, if you will. When people first come to Christ, they want to know everything right away. They ask question after question. And if you are the one playing a, le uh, a leadership role in their life, that person probably is asking questions you do not have the answer to. Sorry about that. My point is, there is a deep desire for learning that somehow gets lost as we get older. James 2.2 says, Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your faith. So let's say over here, you have this basic understanding of the gospel. You have a whole, all the Sunday school answers. Like, the answer is always Jesus, and Jesus loves you. And this is the food that is going to get you to grow up. While it's, you hear it thousands of times, and it makes sense in your head, when you truly understand this, it means the world to you. And if you treat this information as just knowledge and something that you want to grasp, then you're only going to desire to try and grow more and more, but just in the knowledge base. So then you get to stuff over here like the doctrine of the Trinity and other very confusing things about theology um, that people have been debating for the past thousand years. I'm not saying that this stuff is bad, but if you don't have the foundation over here that Jesus loves you, then... This stuff isn't transformative, and this stuff isn't going to grow you closer to who God is. And that's when you could just miss the point of more knowledge about Jesus. One thing that new believers and children have is that they know that Jesus is more. It's so hard to think of Jesus as concrete in the beginning of a relationship with him, because it makes no sense why he loves us so much. It makes no sense why he died on the cross for us. 
Like little kids don't put Jesus in a box and try to control him. They think of him as pretty abstract. And while that changes as you grow, and that's a good thing that it changes, they just see Jesus as a great mystery and they just want to know more and they just pursue knowing him more because they know he is more. And I'm not trying to say that you need to unlearn everything you know about Jesus and you start over um, because you guys probably all know more about Jesus than I do, actually. I'm not saying that your view of Jesus is wrong, but what I am saying is that maybe God is calling us into a relationship where we are like little children and all we see Jesus is as more. Instead of us being like Peter and the disciples in this way, the way, uh, which, and these are the people that we think of as the highest on the Christian ladder, Jesus calls us to be the last. Maybe in this case, the last could be the least in knowledge, little children. We need to learn to be open more to who Jesus is instead of thinking what we think he's supposed to be. But this isn't easy, and I'm with you guys. And an example for me is that it took me forever to realize that Jesus was actually human, that he had human emotions, he, has, he had real temptations, and his life was hard. And I only saw Jesus as being fully God, but my mind was blown when I truly understood that he was more than this. I saw that he wants, to, he wants me to experience him, not just, not just him experiencing me. He wants me to experience life. He wants me to spend time with God. I mean, think about it. Think about a life spent with God through this life and through eternity. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Jesus really is more than our imaginations could ever fathom. At this time, we're going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to celebrate Jesus being more by taking communion together. And so at this time, I would ask the worship team and then the servers to come forward. Um, worship team come be on the stage and worship team can get, uh, get the elements. And so the way this is going to work <clears throat> is we're going to split the, con- or the sanctuary in half. And so if you're on this side, you'll exit to your left towards the wall and then come up front and you'll receive your elements, and then you'll go back uh, 